1 Kings 3, I wanted to ask all of you, uh, have you ever had an opportunity to receive anything that you desire? Have you ever been asked, what do you want? And been able to, to give an answer and then actually been able to receive whatever that would be. I started to think through a couple of moments in my life in which this, this occurred. One of which was when I was around an upper elementary age, my grandparents weren't sure exactly what they wanted to get, through me, get me for Christmas, so they communicated to my parents, hey, could, could you just buy something for us? Here's a price point. Just get something for us for Brendan. And so uh, my parents had actually already purchased everything, I think, that, that was on my list. I kept a pretty short list, and they had gotten those things, and so they ended up taking me. My dad took me over to Walmart and said, listen, son, just pick whatever you want. And I thought that was pretty cool. Hey, what a, what a wondrous opportunity for me. I just get to pick whatever I want. I just get to pick my own gift, and I get to choose anything that I could possibly desire. So we went over to, to the toy section, and I was able to look around at different things, and there was one particular thing I saw that was on the top of my particular wish list, and I had a feeling that my parents had already purchased that, but there was that little bit of insecurity that possibly it might not have happened. So when my dad said, just pick whatever you want, and then we'll wrap it, and you got to pretend like you're surprised, I pointed at that one thing that was at the top of my list, pretty sure knowing that my parents had already purchased it. And when I pointed at that thing, my dad, he just shook his head, kind of smirked, and said, I'm not buying that for you. <laughs> and I got a little bit of a security there. I, I, I kind of enjoyed that. Now, I had the opportunity to pick out whatever I wanted, but there were some limits to that. I had to realize that the request had to be within the right context. I couldn't pick literally anything. There was going to be a price point there. Um, obviously, I wasn't going to be able to pick something that my parents had already purchased. And it had to be something within that location, within the context of that location. I couldn't have looked at my dad and said, you know what I want? I want us to switch roles and you have to obey me now, okay? Uh, something like that. It's a little silly, but that wouldn't have worked. On a similar note, I recall a time when I was able to graduate and my parents said, hey, we'll eat wherever you want. You pick the restaurant, we'll go there. Now, I couldn't have chosen some foreign country's local restaurant. I had to think about it within the context of where we were. There was some context, some right context within the request that I was able to make, even though it was a completely open offer. As we look to 1 Kings chapter 3, we see that King Solomon has started his reign very recently. He's a young man with given one of the greatest burdensome responsibilities ever seen by man. He's, he's taken on a nation that is extremely large, it's extremely wealthy, and there was a lot to be done. This is quite a bit for a young man to take on. God gives him an opportunity to ask something as well. So as we, as we think about that context, let's go ahead and look at 1 Kings 3, and we'll start We'll begin reading in verse, verse number five. In Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, ask what I shall give thee. And Solomon said, thou hast showed unto thy servant David, my father, great mercy, according as he walked before thee in truth and in righteousness and in uprightness of heart with thee. And thou hast kept for him this great kindness, that thou hast given him a son to sit on his throne as it is this day. And now, O Lord my God, thou hast made thy servant king instead of David my father. And I am but a little child. I know not how to go out or come in. And thy servant is in the midst of thy people which thou hast chosen, a great people that cannot be numbered nor counted for multitude. Give therefore thy servant an understanding heart to judge thy people that I may discern between good and bad. For who is able to judge this thy so great a people? And the speech pleased the Lord. 
that Solomon had asked this thing. And God said unto him, because thou hast asked this thing and hast not asked for thyself long life, neither hast asked riches for thyself, nor hast asked the life of thine enemies, but hast asked for thyself understanding to discern judgment, behold, I have done according to thy words. Lo, I have given thee a wise and an understanding heart, so that there was none like thee before thee, neither after thee shall any arise like unto thee. And I have also given thee that which thou hast not asked, both riches and honor, so that there shall not be any among the kings like unto thee all thy days. And if thou wilt walk in my ways, to keep my statutes and my commandments as thy father, as thy father David did walk, then I will lengthen thy days. And Solomon awoke, and behold, it was a dream. And he came to Jerusalem and stood before the ark of the covenant of the Lord and offered up burnt offerings and offered peace offerings and made a feast to all his servants. I believe what we see here is the right context by which we can bring a request to God. We see through the request of Solomon and through the response of God some understandings for us to keep in mind as we bring our own requests to God. Before we begin with this first understanding, I'd like to pray and ask God for direction with the communication of this passage. Lord God, thank you so much for Campus Church. I love being a part of it. I love the work that you are accomplishing here. I love the city of Pensacola, and I'm glad that you have brought us together for the purpose of glorifying you ultimately, to know you and to then make you known among our community, close and afar. Guide each heart in here tonight. You have providentially brought each individual here for, for a particular purpose, and I believe ultimately that that purpose can be worshipful to you, but I pray that we would also be obedient within the plan that you have, that we would think through the music that was done, think through the opportunities to have fellowship and, and have conversations with other people in, in here, and that we would think through the passage that you have desired for me to communicate to our congregation here, and that all of these things would be of benefit to our own spiritual growth as we continue to desire to glorify you in every possible way. Please give me the right words to say. Refrain, uh, keep me from, from allowing any distractions to come through or, or any other distractions otherwise, and allow everyone to focus in on what you would desire to be communicated through this passage. In Jesus' name we pray all of this. Amen. As we discuss the right understanding, the right context by which we should bring requests to God, I believe the first understanding that we ought to have is that of our position. We ought to understand our position as we bring requests to God. Looking again at verse 5, it says that in Gibeon the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night. God communicated to Solomon through a dream. As we look through history, as we look through the Bible, there are numerous ways in which God communicates to man. He communicated in, in, in dreams for, for many individuals throughout the, the Old Testament especially. He communicated through his prophets. Numbers chapter 12 gives us a little bit of a description of that. He communicated through angels. Particular examples we'll find at the beginning of the New Testament in the way that he communicated with Mary and Joseph. And we have the wonderful opportunity today to communicate to God through prayer at any moment, at any time that we would like to do. That's amazing that we can talk to God at a moment's notice. Anytime we want. He's offered that. He's, he's actually invited that. In Hebrews chapter 4, we'll find that, that through Jesus Christ, we can come boldly before the throne of grace. We can talk to God directly through the means of prayer. And God invites certain types of prayer. One of those types of prayer that God does invite is that of requests. You may recall Matthew 7, 7, which says, ask and it shall be given thee. 
Here Solomon is told, ask what I shall give thee. God tells Solomon, ask what I shall give thee. And Solomon gets the wondrous opportunity to tell God whatever he so desires with the strong possibility that whatever he so desires may be granted, may be given him. Well, God invites us to ask him as well. Ask and it shall be given thee. God invites us to ask to bring requests unto him and he so desires to answer those requests as well. We have that opportunity to communicate to God. That is part of our position We are in a position to talk to God, to speak to God and to bring him our our requests. As we understand our position, we ought to understand that we can bring our requests to God, that we can talk to him directly. I'm sure that if I begin to ask a number of you some situations in your life in which you got to experience some wondrous answer to prayer, there would be numerous examples of that. I could count many different areas where, where different pastors had, had told amazing stories of God's wondrous answers to prayers in their lives. I think the first time I remember understanding that God could really answer a specific prayer was through the life of my brother and my dad. When I was around in upper elementary or junior high age, I remember my my brother and dad telling me that they started to pray specifically that God would provide them a truck. They wanted a truck. Now, my brother wouldn't have been able to drive it yet. I think he just thought it would be kind of cool to have one. But of course, my dad would find some good use for it. So they began to pray every single night specifically that God would provide for them a truck. And in all honesty, I can still remember my thoughts on that. I thought it was a little particular. I was not familiar with such a specific type of prayer to ask God so specifically for something. So it, it confused me a little bit. But as they continued to pray, they, they were very persistent in it and never were they discouraged, it didn't seem. They continued to pray and, and they were rather more encouraged by it and it seemed to actually grow my brother's relationship with the Lord quite a bit. And after some time, God did provide a truck for the family and my parents paid the whopping amount of one single dollar bill and they were able to receive the truck and we were, we were excited for them. I, I, I thought that was an amazing thing that God was able to answer such a specific prayer. And of course he does that. And again, so many of you could probably tell a similar story from your life about how God was able to answer a specific prayer for you. We can talk to God and we can bring those kinds of specific requests. That's the wonderful position that God has allowed for us. Understanding our position as we bring requests to God is to know that we can speak to him with those requests, speak to him directly. Another aspect of our position is that of the circumstances that are around us, the circumstances that God provides. As we look to verse six, we'll see the circumstances in which Solomon existed. Verse six, Solomon speaks and says, thou hast showed unto thy servant David, my father, great mercy, according as he walked before thee in truth and in righteousness and in uprightness of heart with thee. And thou hast kept for him this great kindness that thou hast given him a son to sit on his throne as it is this day. Solomon acknowledged the circumstances that were before him. And what were those circumstances? Why was he king? Was he king because of his own accomplishments? Or was he king because of his own character, his own integrity? No, he was king because his father was king and God had so orchestrated things that it was the the throne was to be passed on to Solomon. That's why he was king. He acknowledged those circumstances. He didn't twist the truth in any way to start to attribute any of this glory to himself. Rather, he knew that his father came before him and he knew that it wasn't just his father David that had received all of this, but rather it was the great kindness, as the passage says, the great kindness that God had provided. God had provided this opportunity. Solomon acknowledged that and of course he was grateful for it and attributing it to God and showing, expressing that it was a great kindness. He acknowledged his circumstances and he was grateful for them as well. This pattern is quite difficult for our world. 
I'm sure you could, you could, you could share with me um, some situations in which you'd see somebody that has had challenge in acknowledging and also being grateful for particular circumstances. And our world is challenged by that. Oftentimes, one's financial status is the fault of another. One's emotional status is the fault of another. A physical status is completely denied. It's difficult sometimes to acknowledge the truth of circumstances and, of course, difficult to be thankful for them as well. Paul speaks to this in Philippians 4.11. He says, I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. Whatever circumstances are around me, I've learned just to be content with them, to be grateful knowing that there is an all-knowing God that has actually provided those circumstances who before the foundation of the world knew that each of those were going to be in my place. And so I've learned this is the position that I'm in. I'm going to acknowledge it. I'm going to be grateful for it. And understanding my position in this way, understanding my position is to gratefully acknowledge our circumstances. And through that acknowledgement and through that gratefulness, we can bring requests to Lord in a prop, requests to the Lord in a proper way. Understand that your position is that you can talk to God, that, that your position is, is the circumstances that God has given you, and also understand your position is one of humility. Solomon, of course, knew this as well. In verse seven, he says, and now, O Lord my God, thou hast made thy servant king instead of David my father. I find it interesting that Solomon, Solomon refers to himself as a servant. And even more interesting that those words are right next to each other, servant and king. An interesting, an interesting difference there, servant and king. Solomon knew that even though he was the king of one of the most powerful nations, the most important nation in the world, one of the most wealthy nations in all of the world, he was still a servant. Even though everyone around him was a servant to him, it didn't mean that he was just overall ruler of all. There was a God before him, and he understood that. He was a servant to that, to that God. He understood that his position was one of humility. He had that identity as a servant, and he also shared an identity as a child as well. As he goes on, he says, and I am but a little child. I know not how to go out or come in. Solomon doesn't mean this literally in that he was, he was elementary age as he took place in this throne. There, of course, were kings that would eventually come that would be in that kind of position. Solomon was not. However, he did feel that at, at his current capacity that he was comparable to a little child in the way that he felt about the circumstances before him. This is a challenging responsibility to be a king and to be able to judge and to be able to discern between right and wrong among all these different situations. How on earth am I going to be able to do that? He realized his position of humility and that he needed some semblance of help. I know not how to go out or to come in. He realized this. This is something that I've seen in children quite frequently as I've been serving with the campus church kids over the, last, over the last year. It's been a joy, and I love spending time with them, particularly among the threes, fours, and fives. I was, I was spending time with a group of them a few weeks ago, and a bunch of these three, fours, and fives, as I'm walking around the room, they're yelling out, Pastor Stevens, can you draw me? And you could list anything there. Can you draw me this? Can you help me color this page? color this soccer ball? Could you help make me a paper airplane? They're asking me all these very simple tasks, and why is that? Well, as a three or four-year-old, those tasks are a little difficult, and they realized, I don't know if I have this mental capacity to be able to accomplish these particular tasks. They asked for help. Realizing their position of humility, they've asked for help on something that they felt too challenged to accomplish themselves. That's the comparison that Solomon gives here, and it's a comparison that we ought to make ourselves. The responsibilities before us, even if we convince ourselves of this, are not actually able to be accomplished without the mighty hand of God, which leads to another aspect of our position, and that is one of impossibility as well. 
we're in a position of impossibility, which at first sounds discouraging, but I promise you it's not when you know our God. Solomon says in verse 8, Thy servant is in the midst of thy people, which thou hast chosen a great people that cannot be numbered nor counted for multitude. Truly this job was impossible for one man to accomplish all on his own. This people, Solomon said, cannot be numbered nor counted for multitude. And again, if, if that couldn't really be counted, if, if the individuals could not be counted, if they were so large that it would be difficult to actually perform a census, then how difficult would it be then to actually judge them properly, to do this job in a righteous way, to do this job in an honoring way to God? How could one do that? This was an impossible job. As we look to our own lives, maybe you're in a position right now where you feel in a similar, in a similar way where your position is impossible. The balance of family, the balance of your church membership, the balance of your occupation, all of it combined together, it feels impossible. And that's because it is. It is impossible to accomplish anything without the mighty helping hand of God. And we may say, well, what about those that are unbelieving, that don't acknowledge that God? Even those that refuse to acknowledge that there is a God that created them still receive help from that almighty God. For if they did not, they couldn't take a single more breath. God helps every individual. He ensures that life can continue on. And he is the God of the possible. The God that can accomplish fighting against the impossible. Scripture teaches this. We, we see this throughout, uh, throughout the Bible. And it's particularly noted in uh, Matthew 19, with men this is impossible. Jesus said this himself, with men this is impossible. With God, all things are possible. What a wonderful thing, that with God all things are possible. Even though we are in a position of impossibility, with our God as we bring our request to him, we must acknowledge that understand our position is one of impossibility and that we can bring our request to a God that can make all possible. It's amazing. As I was thinking through some different impossible situations, it, it's, it's interesting, sometimes when we find ourselves in those impossible situations, we end up just looking back and just saying, well, this seems so impossible, I'm just not even going to try. For a child that may be a dirty room, that they're, they're challenged to complete cleaning, but man, it's difficult, and sometimes they'll just sit, I remember myself just sitting and crying, not knowing how to, how to make the first step to clean the room. For a, for a college student, it might be so many assignments, so much study to take care of. It's overwhelming having to accomplish all of it, so you just take a nap instead. You, know, you just, just ignore it all and just sit back because it just feels too impossible. Uh, for many of you, maybe those red badges of notifications on your email have reached four digits, and it seems impossible to ever catch up on that. Even in the impossible, things can be accomplished just through an acknowledgement of God because God is the one that can make all that's impossible possible. As we acknowledge that our position is one in which we can talk to God, our position is one in which we have God-given circumstances, our position is one in which we ought to be humble for the reason that everything before us is truly impossible without that mighty hand of God, we can then bring forth requests in a way that is in the right context, the right understanding in the way that Solomon did as well. As we understand our position, I believe it's also, also very important for us to understand our purpose. Understand our purpose. This is something that Solomon also understood. As you look to verse 9, Solomon actually begins the request that he desired to bring forth to God. Verse 9, he says, Give therefore thy servant an understanding heart to judge thy people, that I may discern between good and bad. This is Solomon's request a desire for an understanding heart to judge the people, discerning between good and bad. This was a desire that was in line with God's own. 
This was a desire that came along with the idea that he had purpose within his God-given responsibility. Responsibilities don't come from nowhere. Responsibilities come from our all-knowing God who gave them to us for very specific purpose. The responsibilities of your family, of your church, of your job, are God-given responsibilities. And you have a purpose within those. God has provided you a purpose through that particular work, through those relationships, or through those different actions. And our requests ought to be in the context of that purpose. Solomon knew that his requests ought to be in line with the responsibilities that God gave him, rather than just taking on some desire to request things that would have nothing to do with that purpose, nothing to do with the responsibilities that God gave him. He asks the question, who is able to judge this thy so great a people? God is the answer to that inability. I can't accomplish all of this. Well, God certainly can through those requests that come through the context, the purpose of God-given responsibility. Oftentimes, the most emotionally challenged individuals are those that refuse to accept God-given responsibility. Accepting that God-given responsibility is a wonderful way that provides security, that provides purpose, and provides the right context by which we can bring requests to God. Colossians 3.23 says, And whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men realizing that God gave you those responsibilities and every action, every step within those responsibilities is an act of worship to God, which is an additional aspect of our purpose, our purpose of worship. We have a purpose to worship God with every single thing that we do. In verse 10, we see God's response to Solomon's request. It says, and the speech pleased the Lord. We find here that God can be pleased by man. What an amazing thing that we as as worms as some hymns will refer to us as we can please God and we can please God even through the simple act of requesting things it had pleased God that Solomon had asked this thing God is pleased by man's request and if God can be pleased by man then every action that we do bring forth can please God our thoughts our words our actions and of course the requests that we bring to him pleasing God through requests is an act of worship I found that as, just as God can be pleased by us asking for help, I found that even uh, with, with my own parents, it, just as God is our father, through the illustration of, of my own parents, I found that uh, I, when I ask them for help, it's not a burden to them oftentimes. Rather, they are overjoyed to help me. My dad has actually said these particular words to me, if you don't let me do this for you, I'm going to be mad at you. And it's said in jest, but nonetheless, he really wants to help. As we've had our new daughter in the last month, uh, that's been ever more the case. They are itching to help us in every possible way. And that's encouraging. That's encouraging to know that my desire for help is not one which is burdensome. Rather, it's pleasing to my father. Our requests, our desire for help to our heavenly father is pleasing to him as well. And it's worshipful to him. And it's part of your purpose. Understanding your purpose to worship is to be willing to provide those requests as those requests truly are pleasing to God. Finally, in regards to the, our purpose is that of selflessness. We have a purpose. In, if, if, we are, if we are purposed to follow the God-given responsibilities, if we're purposed to worship God within those God-given responsibilities, then we will find ourselves with a purpose in selflessness as well. A desire to bring requests to God that are not entirely self-serving, but rather fulfill what he desires of us. We see Solomon, we see Solomon follow along with this in verse 11. As God, God recognizes the motivation behind Solomon's request. 
God says unto Solomon in verse 11, because thou hast asked this thing and hast not asked for thyself long life, neither hast asked riches for thyself, nor hast asked the life of thine enemies. God recognized that Solomon refused any sort of selfish request. These requests that were possibilities before him, he could have asked for a long life, he could have asked for more riches, he could have asked for the death of his own personal enemies, but he refused to do so as those would not have fallen along the God-given responsibilities that he had. Rather, in worship to God, he requested something that would allow him to even more benefit the cause of glory for God, even more purpose to to benefit the, the responsibilities that were before him in judging the people that God had given him personally. He refused a request to be selfish and rather took on a request to be selfless. He proved a desire to be godly through this. He said, but God said, but thou hast asked for thyself understanding to discern judgment. Solomon wanted something to better worship God, to better glorify God through his God-given responsibility. This is not to say that we can't ask things of God that are personal, that do benefit ourselves, though those are not wrong requests to have, but they ought to be with that right motivation. We see God communicate to Solomon that his request was within the right motivation, and ours ought to be as well. When I was thinking back on, again, some of my own personal prayers throughout my life, there was a time when I was in elementary school. I greatly enjoyed this particular video game, and I enjoyed it enough that even though I couldn't play it when I left the house, I actually stuck it in my pocket. It was a, it was a tiny disc that I could stick in my pocket and I would, I would walk away, I would go out of the house with it. I just liked having it with me because I really enjoyed it, even though I couldn't play it. It was a really silly thing to do, but I did it nonetheless. Um, putting it in my pocket was not a very smart thing as it was a disc. It got scratched, it got really messed up and eventually it couldn't be played anymore. I remember putting it in and hoping to enjoy it one day and it just did not happen. And I legitimately prayed, God, please fix this disc. Please allow this to work again. I wanna be able to play it. And that was, that was the request I had. Now, is it wrong to ask something like that? No, it's not sinful to ask something like that. But if I was honest with you, I can remember the thoughts that I had. Uh, there wasn't exactly the right motivation there. And now in retrospect, I can see how actually not allowing that to work grew my patience a little bit. It grew a better understanding within my own life. It was a way that God worked on me and, re- and helped me realize that sometimes my actions bring about some consequences. That was a good thing for me. There was not the best motivation there. Our requests should have the right motivation, and they, they certain, certainly should be a selfless motivation. The requests that we bring to God, are they within that context of being selfless? Or are they within that context of having God-given responsibility, the purpose to worship God? As we bring our requests to God, we ought to understand our position, understand our purpose. Additionally, I believe we ought to understand God's power. We ought to understand God's power, which we see in verse number 12. Verse 12 says, Behold, I have done according to thy words. In this passage, we start to see the power that God has over time. Instantaneously, this request that Solomon desired to discern, to have an understanding heart, to judge right and wrong among the people that God had given him, God answers this prayer. He provides this understanding heart 
immediately. He had done according to the words that Solomon had asked. Solomon asked a, word, asked a request that would have been right alongside God's own desires, and God answered it instantly. Lo, I have given thee a wise and an understanding heart. This was an accurate answer as well. It was exactly as, as Solomon had requested, an understanding heart, and God gave exactly that, going back to that specific idea of prayer once again. He says as well, so that there was none like thee before thee, neither after thee shall any arise like unto thee. What an interesting way to word things, so that there was none like thee before thee. God has a clear power over the past. He knew before the foundation of the world that Solomon was going to request this particular thing, and so he ensured that no one before the time of Solomon could ever reach this particular level of understanding and wisdom. He ensured that nobody could achieve this particular level of wisdom and understanding that Solomon had. That is answering a request before it ever happens. God has power over the past. What a beautiful example of God's foreknowledge. And I'm thankful for that. There's a great comfort in a God that is outside of time that can answer our requests seeing everything, both the past and the future. And he does have that power over the future as well. As he said, neither after thee shall any arise like unto thee. God was not going to allow anybody else that would be able to have the same level of an understanding heart, that same level as Solomon for the rest of time. We refer to Solomon as the wisest man to have ever lived. He had that wonderful, wise and understanding heart that God had given him because God is a God of power over time. Understanding God's power to know that he controls time is essential to us having that right context in bringing our requests to him. God also has a power over provision, and we see that in verse 13. Verse 13, he says, and I have also given thee that which thou hast not asked, both riches and honor. God provides in a physical way right here, providing Solomon with an even greater sense of riches. Matthew 6, 33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Is that not what Solomon did? Seeking first the desire to fulfill what God had given him, and then after that, all these things shall be added unto you. After Solomon had requested first the kingdom of God, first the righteousness of God, God provided everything else that Solomon needed and more so, provided all of these things. Riches far more than Solomon could have possibly imagined was provided him. There were some emotional blessings in a sense as well. As God provided honor, he provided a blessing that would have actually affected the minds of other people. There were even unbelievers, rulers throughout the world that respected Solomon, that had honor for him, and of course his own people as well, recognizing the wise and understanding heart that he had. After Solomon first requested to follow what God had for him, requesting something that would fulfill his God-given responsibilities. God, of course, provided everything else he needed. He's a power over time, and he's a power, he has power over provision. Many of you got to be a part of our children's Christmas program that occurred a few months ago. You were able to come over to the Dale Horton Auditorium and watch some of our campus church kids perform a play about George Mueller. George Mueller is one of my favorite historical figures, somebody who had a great, deep love for children as well. Uh, he had a great responsibility taking care of numerous orphans, um, a few hundred orphans. And if you recall, if you were a part of that play, or just if you're familiar with George Mueller's history, you'll know that there was a moment in George Mueller's life where, man, provision did not seem like it was going to be, was going to be given unto him. 
as every bit of sustenance was gone, everything that they needed to provide for the children was completely absent, and then what happens? All of a sudden, the milk shows up, the bread shows up. This is an example of a God over provision and a God over time. As he knew beforehand that George Mueller and these orphans were going to need this, and had so placed in the heart of, of those making the milk, those making the bread, that this was all going to occur, allowed the, the cart to break right outside the orphanage. A God had orchestrated all of this so perfectly because he's a God over time and also a God over provision. He has power over those things and understanding God's power in this way is to believe that he will provide and that he's a God over time and understanding, his, understanding this power is, is part of that context that we need, the right context of bringing requests to God. Our last point of understanding that I'd like to look at tonight is that of God's plan. Understanding God's plan and particularly our part in that plan our part in God's plan. In verse 14, it says, and if thou wilt walk in my ways to keep my statutes and my commandments as thy father David did walk, then I will lengthen thy days. So we get a little bit of a look into what God's plan for Solomon is. His desire, his plan, his will for Solomon is that Solomon walks in his ways, that Solomon keeps his statutes, that Solomon keeps his commandments just as his father David did walk. That's God's desire. That's God's plan. Solomon needed to obey. God's plan, of course, will, will always be accomplished, but if we are to be a part of that plan, if we're to be benefited by that plan, then we ought to obey. That's our part in God's plan, is obeying what he's called us to do. And Solomon, of course, was called to obedience in this particular moment. We know that later on in the life of Solomon, he did end up struggling to obey. He had taken on this wonderful opportunity. Uh, he was, this request for him was answered and he was able to discern between good and bad in a wonderful way with the people that God had given him. But there did come a time where he did struggle, where he started to drift away from obeying God and following along with the plan that God had. And unfortunately, that lengthening of Solomon's days did not occur to its full extent fullest extent that it could have, had Solomon stuck to these ways, these commandments. God, of course, desires that we would obey completely and follow within the plan that he asked for us. You know, God's plan for us as well, that we walk in his ways, that we keep his statutes, and that we keep his commandments. And if we bring requests to him with that obedient heart, then, that, then we are bringing our requests to him in the right context by which God desires. Listen, most of us here tonight, I believe, are familiar with, with the, the, the need to understand these things as we bring our prayerful requests to God. But there are times, maybe, where we start to drift away on some of these. Maybe in, in, in some recent memory, or in, in the last few days even, uh, you've started to forget the position that God has given you. You've started to forget that you can talk to God and that he is a God that can immediately answer your prayer requests. Maybe you've forgotten to gratefully acknowledge the circumstances that he's provided or maybe you've forgotten to be humble. You've started to attribute some of the blessings and the requests that you've received. You've started to attribute those to, to yourself. Maybe you've been discouraged by the impossibility out there. If your position has started to drift away, remember the right position in the right context by which you can bring in the request. Maybe you've started to struggle with your purpose. Maybe you've started to drift away in the God-given responsibilities that he's provided for you. You've started to forget that every single action that you take, every word you speak, every thought that you have ought to be worshipful, and that ought to be part of your purpose as well, and that your requests ought to be selfless requests. Maybe you've started to forget God's power. You've been discouraged when you've had to wait a little longer on the answer of some requests. 
You've been discouraged when some things don't seem to be going your way and and you've struggled with some other discouragement of, of the words of others or the way that the world may be directed. Remember that we have a God that's outside of time and that is completely powerful over all provision that can be provided. Maybe you've struggled with remembering that you want to understand God's plan and that your part in it, of course, is to obey. What kind of requests can be answered? When it, 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 do, will, will God desire to so answer a request from an unrepentant, disobedient heart? We need to make sure that we're staying obedient, that we understand God's plan is for us to obey, follow the things that he has, that he has for us. As we bring our request to God, I pray that we have that right context, that we remember to understand those particular things. Understand our position and purpose. Understand God's power and plan. For if we understand these things, we'll be bringing our requests in the right context. And we will enjoy the relationship that we can have with God just as Solomon did in this moment.